When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jeremy Piven at Yuck Yucks Toronto starting this Thursday through Saturday. You probably know him best as Hollywood agent Ari Gold uh, from the TV series Entourage, which had eight seasons on HBO, also had a feature film. Jeremy, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me, sir. And probably because Canadians have taste, they (laughs) might know me as Harry Selfridge. On Mr. Selfridge. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I've I've seen some of that as well, and and you know you're often known as a comedic actor, or you know you have that sort of flair, but you've done some serious work as well. Yeah, I'm an actor, and uh, yeah, an actual I, actor. <laughs> well, I've grown up in the work, and I love it. And uh, I, I got up on stage at about eight years old with the with my parents at the Piven Theater, and so I, I had a I had very unique training in the way that. We were doing the straight stuff, and I was lucky enough to do Chekhov and Shakespeare and all, all these incredible works, and, and also do um, improv and sketch comedy and ended up at Second City, which you guys know very well, yes. and, and they especially know in Toronto. Uh, and I grew up just below you guys in Chicago, and we share, uh, we're almost like cousins. I feel like <laughs> I, I love going to Toronto because it feels like home to me. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, I've had a I've had a, a, a really fun, amazing career, and and I never would have seen myself as a stand-up comic, and yet it feels like all roads lead to stand-up because of my background. Right. I mean, it's the it's the only form that I haven't done, and yet you know, like I'll give you an example. I, I was just on the set. I'm going to be hosting the MMA awards mm-hmm. on Fox Sports coming up in about a month. And I was doing a sketch in which I'm going to play Ari Gold, and it was all written out, and it was really good. And, and yet what I did was I wrote a ton of alternates, and then on the day we were in there and I was improvising and doing stuff. And those type of things lead to stand-up comedy in the way that, as a stand-up, you're performing, and yet you're writing all your own material, and you're writing as you're up there. So mm-hmm. it, it takes kind of a, a, a big, wide skill set, and I, I feel like I have something to contribute, otherwise I wouldn't attempt it. I have in, in immense respect for anyone that does it, and I, I've been doing it now not very long, but at the same time very intensely, getting up every night, and you know, whoever I'm traveling with, I love to just kind of mix it up, get notes, talk about it, so I feel like I've been in this incredibly intense program to figure out how to do it. Yeah, and like, you're already answering one of my questions from later on in the interview, and I love when that happens because it just makes my job easier. But yeah, doing a live comedy show, it must feel in a way like going back to those roots of performance, you know? Yeah, it it, it totally does. And because I wouldn't even attempt this if I wasn't a performer because no one can just go, okay, I'm going to be a stand-up comic. It doesn't. (laughs) It doesn't work. Yeah. Um, it's just too difficult. And yet, um, it, it, yeah, it does feel a little bit like so 
a, a, a touch of a bunch of different things that I've done, and yet you've got to put it all together. And um, because I'm a performer, I can navigate that space. And then the real variable for me now is, is material, fine-tuning it, finding my voice. And, and I'm at the point now where I'm just excited to show Toronto what I got right now. Yeah. Yeah. And and I love it when people are you know anyone doubting me is it's fant- it's just fuel and I love it. Well, I love that your comparison about Chicago and Canada. I do feel yeah. like Chicago is kind of a Canadian esque city. I mean, we love Obama, and exactly we love hockey. Blackhawks yeah. fan, right? Yeah, I'm a huge Blackhawks fan. Yeah, um, I mean those guys are incredible. They didn't they didn't have the best of seasons, but they'll be back. Yeah, Obama is a guy who, who kind of made his bones there uh, in Chicago mm-hmm. and still has a place. And uh, also there's a lot of other similarities, to be honest. I think Chicago, like Toronto, is a group of hardworking people. In, in the States, people say, oh, you're from Chicago. I, I, I could tell because you look me in the eyes. <laughs> and I'm like, where am I supposed to look? At your neck? I'm confused. <laughs> like, you know. So I think people in Toronto are the same. It's It's a group of hard-working people that are sincere and present. The only difference is I really believe that people in Toronto have so much respect that they don't, they shy away from confrontation, oh, yeah. which I think is a very healthy thing. And I think sometimes in Chicago and New York, people kind of embrace it for good or ill, yes. if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that is the Canadian way. We are always sorry for everything, even well, if it's not our fault. But you know what? There's something very kind of inherently evolved about that. Yeah. You know, because it, it's like you've, ex- you know, it's, it's living in, not, and not being a slave to your ego. Right. Which this, this could be a whole other conversation. Yeah, totally. This could take us into a three-hour TED Talk, and I don't <laughs> want people turning us off. Uh, yeah. No, but I find that the thing about Canadians is we do say sorry a lot, but often it isn't like we're actually apologizing. It's almost like, oh, man, I uh, I crashed my car the other day. Oh, sorry, buddy. Well, I didn't crash your car. You crashed your car, but I'm sorry for you. You know, it's almost like a sentiment in a way. Ah, oh, sorry, bud. Uh, right. Exactly. But, you know, I, I can't – I, at this point, you know, I, uh, listen, we're, we're in a, a very – interesting place right now where we're a country that's divided mm-hmm. and we got a guy leading the country that's that's turning a lot of people off and uh people i, I think the exciting thing is right now it, there's you're seeing more activism than you've ever seen before yeah. and people are speaking out um and and that is a great thing and it's causing a lot of discussion right now and you know like i i know that there was a he went against, you know. There's, there seems to be some, some. We're we're battling Canada for some strange reason with Trump right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And you just have to know that I feel like it's interesting that we've we've always completely got along. Yeah. Like forever, like WW2, WW1. Like, I mean, it's been a long-standing relationship. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We've got some good history. Anyway, we need to talk comedy. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, We could, uh, it is a podcast. We do have the range of motion to talk about whatever. But yeah, absolutely. Although politics seems to be everywhere, ever present, hanging over absolutely fucking everything these days. But yeah. Yeah, sure. 
Oh, wow, you can swear on your podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can drop F-bombs, just maybe not the C-word, unless it's right. cookies, otherwise. We, we don't need the C-word, No, you know? we do not. Yeah, um, um, unless you're British. Yeah, then it's just like, uh, it's, an, it's a vowel for them, I think. <laughs> yeah, that, then, it's, then it's a celebratory statement. <laughs> yeah, the Queen's like tell, talking to her grandkids over in England, like, oh, come over here, you little cunt. <laughs> oh, my God, there you go. And yeah, I'll break, reason, I'll break the seal on it. <laughs> I, I love it. And for some reason, the Queen is Irish, according to your yeah. accent. Which I love. Yeah, well, I never well, said never said that I was good at accents. No, no, it's fantastic. Or, or possibly an older leprechaun. I yeah. couldn't quite tell where you were going with that, but I love it. An aged leprechaun that had chain smokes, I think. That was where we were at. There you go. Um, Jeremy, I meant to I say this right off the top of the podcast, but then we got into some other stuff. But I wanted to say, man, the movie The Goods. Totally underrated. I love that movie. Uh, wow, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I, that's, you know, one of my favorites because it was, it was one of those movies that um, I was shooting while we were doing Entourage, and the script was so incredibly funny. Adam McKay produced it, who, you know, has done Talladega Nights, Step Brothers. Yeah, he's money. Wrote, yeah, wrote and directed the big short. Will Ferrell's in it, Craig Robinson, the, the, uh, an incredible cast. Um, and yeah, it's, it just was one of these movies where we knew how funny it was. And, you know, listen, you don't want to second guess or, or look back and, and, and regret anything. But unfortunately, for, look, anyone that's seen it loves it. And at the time, you know, uh, so much of it is about uh, the push when it comes out. Yeah. And so there were a lot of variables that didn't maybe get it, you know, out there to everyone. And no regrets. It's one of those things where people have been discovering it ever since, and it's it's a it's a kind of a a cult favorite, which I love. And it was a blast shooting. It was incredible. I played a, a car salesman that was just always screaming, "Sell the metal!" <laughs> and it's about a, it's about a culture that does exist of guys that go around and and they help people to actually move and sell cars, and they're just these a very eccentric group of people. Doctor Ken from The Hangover, who's doing yeah. stand-up these days brilliantly. He's in it as well. It was like his coming-out party. I remember he and I were promoting it, and we went to uh, like a WrestleMania together. And I said, Ken, I think you should dress as a pimp, <laughs> and we should, uh, we should just battle John Cena. And he's like, yeah, okay, great idea. Let's do that. Yeah. And sure enough, like next thing I know, I'm jumping off the top rope and jumping into John Cena's arms. He's using me as a battering ram, and, and Dr. Ken is dressed in a fur coat. And I thought I had taken mushrooms, but it was actually happening. It was in, it was in real life. <laughs> yes, it was in real time. It was crazy. So do you actually call him Dr. Ken? Like, I know he is actually a doctor, and now he's transitioned to, into movies and, and, and comedy and stuff. But yes. people still call him Dr. Ken? Why not? Oh, okay. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, he worked, he he worked for it. the title. You know what? He, he's such a sweet guy. Even if he hated being called Dr. Ken, he would never tell you. So, you know, we maybe have been doing the wrong thing for the past 10 years. We yeah. don't know. There was uh, quite a crazy ensemble cast for that movie. Like, obviously, Ken was, uh, Dr. Ken was in it. Uh, Rob Riggle was in there. Ed Helms. Uh, Ving Rhames. Uh, out of that entire cast uh, of that ensemble, uh, who did you love working with the most? Well, that's a tough one because it was so much fun. The, you know, uh, everyone just was a blast to work with and incredibly funny. I've gone on to be 
to become friends, you know, with all of them. And recently was playing, was doing a stand-up at the Laugh Factory and then ended up playing the drums with Craig Robinson, who nice. was on the keyboards, and he just improvises incredibly funny songs. And it was like, I just felt like I was literally living the dream because the two things I love are comedy and playing the drums. So nice. it was one of those nights where it was like, it was like a four-hour show, and everyone stayed, and it was... Um, to raise money to for cancer to cancer research mm-hmm. and uh it was just a brilliant night so yeah uh, i mean everyone in that cast and if you look everyone's gone on to continue to work and do great things yeah it's funny uh we were so you were at the laugh factory right yeah yeah like la i mean new york la two comedy meccas in america but yeah. i find that new york is kind of the artsy side and la it's where stuff gets made you know what i mean uh, you must get a chance to see like the best of the best, most refined comedy there, not just as a performer, but as someone just taking in the craft. Um, who have you seen lately that's just mind-blowing? Well, I was lucky enough to, I mean, that's one of the great things. You're absolutely right. Like at the, the Laugh Factory is so, they're all incredibly iconic. Um, and Laugh Factory is right down the street from me, and I, I get up with them all the time. And Jamie's done such a brilliant job with them i mean the other night on one lineup they had uh tommy davidson then dl hughley then louis anderson then unfortunately i got up and lowered the bar viciously um and then craig robinson uh no i had the time in my life and the cool thing is is i'm bringing in a lot of people uh who haven't been exposed to a lot of stand-up before. Right. And to answer your question, sorry, that was a, 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 a very long way around. Hey, it's it. podcast. we got the time. <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, D.L. Hughley right now, to me, that's the great thing about comedy is, you know, age isn't a variable. Uh, he's ageless anyway. But whatever he's doing, he feels like he's peaking as a performer because he's incredibly funny, present on stage, and... He is also incredibly insightful and curious and articulate and political. Mm-hmm. And you, it, it just, he feels like, to me, like, kind of like if Richard Pryor were around today and was observing Trump and what's happening right now. Because he does it, he has no fear, and he's really, really insightful. So he's blowing my mind right now. And, you know, I followed all those guys. And... It's just making me better. I don't profess to be, you know, some incredible stand-up comic. It would be incredible. It would be very presumptuous of me because I haven't been doing it very long, and yet uh, I'm able to be on a lineup with these guys and hold my own. Um, I, I love performing, and you know, they, you know, this this will be a chance when I get to Toronto um, to get up there, headline, do my thing. And you, you look at you know in real time uh, with stand up if you're making it happen or not. You got about two minutes in the beginning where they they just they're happy to see you, and then you have to bring it. Mm-hmm. And I just love that challenge. Yeah, you can feel the anticipation off the top, kind of carrying you, but then it's up to you to bring the meat to the party. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and for me, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, just show up and run the clock out or do a Q and A or whatever. Yeah. I, I really want to engage the audience, make them laugh, take them on a journey. And selfishly, it's like I've been playing these fictional characters, mm-hmm. and you know that's how you know me. 
and so you don't know me. Yeah. And selfishly, it's a way for you to get to know who I am. And it's me up there. Yes, I do enter into characters, and I talk about what it's like to to be on sets and navigate this life and all that kind of stuff, and and what it's like to grow up in a theater family. Um, and 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 how unique that was, and my perspective on everything. And you get to see me up there, who I am. I'm, you know, that's the the crazy, daunting, beautiful thing about stand up is that you're the star and the playwright, and the director and the editor and the producer. You're the whole. And and I've been navigating these spaces where, you know, I'm saying other people's brilliant words and and fitting into the story. And now I'm telling the story. And so it's inspiring and thrilling and and the freedom is daunting and i'm loving it in some ways though your armor must be off you don't have the safety of the lens or of an editing crew or of a director or fellow actors like does does it make you nervous being in front of a live crowd um yes i I mean to be honest with you and i i was happy for this I, i you know i was more nervous than i've ever been to do a play or a film or TV, and I really appreciated that because I think I knew how it. Because fear is an energy, and I was I, I have such respect for the space that one occupies when you do stand up. Um, that I think I was very nervous, which which meant you know it was my body's way of telling me, hey, snap out of it, and you know let's. Let's rise to the occasion. This is real, and this is sacred space. And so I'm always nervous before I get up there, and I respect that and love that. Um, and then it's your job to kind of breathe and welcome that energy and let it go and just enjoy your time on stage. Yeah. And I know it sounds very pretentious, but it's just that's the way anyone should think about nerves, whether you're getting up in front of your company or or meeting someone that you value it's like it's your body's way of saying hey this is important and real yeah wake up yeah <laughs> and, and so you just kind of you kind of breathe through it but to answer your question yeah i do get incredibly nervous because it's a new form and it, you know you're a dummy if you think oh i got this i'm funny people are like i'm just gonna wing this it's like well you've got to have the spine of your act together you got to know where you're traveling so that you can play within it and then come back to it so you better you better have it together jeremy pivens at yuck yucks thursday through saturday of this week uh multiple shows per day you can get details uh on the link in the blog post for this episode of the podcast um jeremy uh some of your earliest tv show credits um, which lead me to believe that you're going to be okay at this comedy thing this weekend, man, because I look at some of your early credits, the Larry Sanders show, Seinfeld, yeah. you did three episodes, Ellen, Drew Carey show, Coach, you did a heck of a tour in the 90s on, on comedy television, man. I, I did. You know, to be honest with you, I only, I only did one episode of Seinfeld. Oh, okay. And what I've never told anyone, and this is pretty much sacrilegious, is that when I did, it was the, it was the year... It was the one-hour kind of finale of the show. Right. So, and I, I played George Costanza when they were um, actually making the pilot episode. They were actually going to film a version uh, of their lives. And so I was an actor who got the role of George. And I had never seen the show. <laughs> uh, I didn't have a TV. I was on the Larry Sanders show. And right. uh, um, John Hirschfeld, the, the brilliant casting director, approached me and said, Hey, would you audition to play George, and I said, sure, because as an actor, it's like, you'll audition for anything. Yeah. 
It's work. Never turn down an audition. Yeah. You know, that's like, you know, being in the desert and someone coming up to you with water, and you're like, no, it's not right for me. It's like, no, of course. <laughs> you're going to audition. Yes, yeah. please. Roll, roll. But you're already doing a roll. I'd like another roll, please. Yeah. You, just, you want to be artistically greedy. And so I did it having never seen the show, but I had had conversations with Jason Alexander, who played George, on, you know, in the lot. And so I went in there and did my, my best impression of him, and they just went, oh, man, you must be a real big fan of the show. And I was like, yes, I am, <laughs> thinking I haven't seen it, but yes. And so it was perfect for me because on set I was just getting to know Jerry and, and everyone mm-hmm. um, as a... As a and I wasn't, they were the Beatles, but I, I wasn't, I didn't have a reference, so I didn't fanboy out. So right. it was perfect. I think in a way, showing up and not having seen the show and then them saying, you must be a big sh- fan of the show and you going, uh, yeah, that's actually the most George Costanza thing you could have done in mm. a lot of ways. Yes, and they thought I was still in character. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy Piven, I thank you for being on the podcast. Look forward to the show this weekend and wish you success with the stand-up comedy thing, man. You sound real uh, fired up and passionate about it. Yeah, I, I can't wait to get into it, man. And I, I do love Toronto. I've been lucky enough to, I've been there many times. So it, it feels like I'm going home. Uh, yuck yucks on the 21st to the 23rd and uh, I can't wait to get into it with you guys it's going to be fun and we're doing meet and greets after so let's take some pictures and hang out awesome all right Jeremy thanks again man thanks buddy do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate.